Welcome to the CPO podcast, the podcast series for the Center for Education Policy and Equalizing Opportunities at UCL's Institute for Education. In today's episode, Jake Anders, an Associate Professor of Educational and Social Statistics at UCL and Deputy Director in CPO, will be talking about his research in the British Educational Research Journal called Determinants of Private School Participation, all about the money. This work is part of a larger project looking at changing patterns of participation in private schooling and its outcomes. Jake, why should we be interested in research on who goes to private school in England when only a small minority of children go to one? So it's true that kids in private schools make up a fairly small proportion of those attending schools uh, in England, Uh, although it is higher than many realise. It's estimated uh, that almost one in ten children attend a private school at some point during their educational careers. Um, But that still is a minority, like you say. Um, Nevertheless, I still think it's important for researchers to be engaging with research on private schools, including understanding who goes to them. Uh, While this is not so much the case in lots of countries, going to a private school in Britain is associated with big advantages in later life. Uh, This is both in terms of earnings, uh, but also kind of influence more generally. Uh, Many important jobs, uh, things like politics, uh, our top judges, journalists, um, are people who went to private schools when they were young. Okay, but isn't this just the case that families with a lot of money um, can afford to send their kids to private schools and those who can't don't? What is there more to say? So it's absolutely the case, and unsurprising given how much it costs to send your child to a private school, that there is a link between family income and going to one. Uh, But it absolutely isn't just the case that those who can afford it send their kids to private schools and those who can't don't. Um, Even among families with high levels of income, it's far from the case that all children actually go to a private school. Um, Among the top 10% of the income distribution, uh, about half of children um, uh, actually go to a private school. So if they're not constrained by cost, um, this research uh, is interested in, well, what else is there? Well, what is the, the rest of it? We're particularly focused on uh, what explains why some of those families choose to send their children to a private school and some don't. In particular, we looked at the role of parents' personal beliefs and values and the alternatives to private schooling that they had available given where they lived. How did you go about learning more about the link between these factors and whether or not children go to private schools? So some earlier studies have done research where they go and interview parents and ask them about their motivations in choosing a private school or not a private school. Um, But we know that there are some limitations in uh, doing research in that way. Uh, We know that parents might not always be completely honest with a stranger about or perhaps even fully aware of the underlying reasons for the decisions they make about very personal decisions of this type. Our approach is quite different to that. Uh, We use quantitative data to compare the characteristics of those whose children go to a private school with those whose children don't. And then we're basing our findings on the patterns we see in these data. Uh, That avoids the problem uh, of needing to ask parents to think hypothetically about what they would have done in different circumstances and instead allows us to base our findings on their observed behaviour. 
Obviously, this is still not without its challenges and limitations, like I was pointing out, other limitations there. But we think it brings an important new perspective uh, to the evidence in this area. Absolutely. Um, where did you get the data to carry out this sort of analysis? So we carried out this particular um, uh, analysis using data from the Millennium Cohort Study, which is a large-scale research study uh, also based at UCL over in the Centre for Longitudinal Studies. The aim of the, the Millennium Cohort Study, or MCS, is to follow a group of children who were born in the year 2000 and their families, asking questions about uh, children's development, um, their educational progress and family life more generally. Uh, the sample is designed to be representative of families across the UK, um, although in this work we've focused, uh, focused specifically on uh, children in England, children and families in England, uh, because of the differences in education systems between England and other countries in the UK. The data from this study allows us to paint a really rich picture of family circumstances and find out about those uh, educational decisions they've made, meaning we can look at the links between uh, uh, these factors uh, among those taking part in the study. You mentioned that you particularly focused on the role of parental beliefs and values and the alternative parents, uh, alternatives parents might be considering when they choose to send their child to private school. Um, what did you find about the importance of parental values? So, uh, to attempt to capture uh, the idea of parental beliefs and values in this respect, we uh, analysed some of the responses parents gave to a set of statements about their views on family life when the child was just one year old. Um, one of the particular measurable values that seemed to emerge from that analysis um, we referred to as uh, traditional values. Um, two examples of uh, the statements that um, parents tended to endorse um, when uh, we found that they had higher levels of these traditional factors were couples who have children should not separate and it is alright for people to have uh, children without being married. I should say that's the other way around, you're less likely to endorse that one. Um, we found that even when we compare families with similar levels of income parents with higher levels of those traditional values were more likely to send their children to a private school. Uh, and that's particularly important in explaining the variance uh, in private school attendance among families with high levels of income. Um, this is a finding that's similar in spirit to earlier work by Professor Stephen Ball, whose interviews with parents identified that for some people, private school is a possible but unacceptable choice. And what about the relevance of where families live on the educational choices they make for their children? So to try to provide some evidence about this, we focused on how close families live to the nearest state schools that we think some parents might be more likely to see as substitutes for private schools. Uh, by doing so, we're able to observe that families who live closer to academically selective grammar schools um, but those are within the state system, uh, or again state schools that have been judged outstanding by Ofsted, the, uh, the England's uh, sort of schools regulator and inspectorate, are less likely to send their children to private schools. So when they live closer to one of those sorts of schools, they're less likely to send their children to a private school. Um, some of this difference could be caused by families deliberately moving to be near to schools like that, which are often in areas with higher housing costs. 
Um, but we still see this link among those uh, with similar levels of family income and other kind of uh, socioeconomic characteristics, which uh, suggests that they aren't just about differences in uh, levels of house prices nearer to those in-demand state schools, for example. So overall, this work has told us new things about some of the reasons beyond basic finances that parents might decide to send their children to private schools. In particular, among parents with low levels of traditional values, it is much less likely that they will choose private schooling for their children, no matter how much income they earn. On top of that, some parents who would otherwise choose private education are happy to send their children to a state school if they live close to one, for example, that has a high offset rating. What are the key wider messages from these findings? I think that findings such as this should make us mindful of the complexities of decisions parents make about private schooling and about where they send their children to school more generally. It's neither the case that parents who can afford it will send their, parent, their children to private schools and those who can't don't, as we see from the importance of parental values in predicting private school attendance, especially among families with high incomes. Nor is it the case that there are private school people and state school people who are completely separate. We can see this from the findings about differences in decisions among those who live close to state schools parents seem to find particularly attractive to send their children to. This can be important for technical reasons when we're doing further research to understand whether there are kind of effects specifically from attending a private school on children's later educational and wider outcomes. More broadly though, these findings have implications for our understanding of the dynamics at play in terms of our wider education system and whether this provides opportunities for all children. Thanks so much, Jake, for your time and thanks for listening to the CPO podcast. You can find more about Jake's work and his role at the Centre for Education Policy and Equalising Opportunities on our website at www.ucl.ac.uk forward slash C-E-P-E-O.